Hi, we're Donnie and Chelsea. We're best friends, mortal enemies, and the hosts of I Am The Cute One. On our show, we'll chat movies, gossip about pop culture and current events, but mostly we'll overshare, trauma dump, and embarrass ourselves publicly. After all, we're millennials, so we've been living and laughing and loving through unprecedented events every few years our entire lives. So if talking is your love language, subscribe to I Am The Cute One. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. With each mortgage-free home, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes that put their lives on the line for all of us, risking their lives for our country and our communities. These heroes need your help now more than ever. Help America's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. That Beverly Hills reunion took me on a trip to Triggered City. And while I was there, I saw Dorinda losing her damn mind while she was staring at a poster of Tinsley. And Michael Darby's ass just cannot seem to get it right. It's your weekly Housewives Roundup episode of Me and You, The Housewives, and Marvel 2. Let's do it. today my recording is so off schedule right now you, you all know it was a labor day weekend and if you don't know that always usually means that it's my birthday weekend my birthday is september 5th and i i kind of took a little time off I, I took my time getting this right you know i watched each one of the episodes a couple of times because this was actually a pretty good week as far i mean beverly hills in potomac i feel like gave a whole lot more than New York did, and it was their finale. But don't get it twisted. We still have to talk about New York. The y'all know exactly the moment I'm talking about. That ending was, ooh, that moment that 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 ending told us a lot of things, and I'm sure y'all can predict them by now. But we got we got some things to talk about with New York, and not all of it is about the episode. Some of it came to light kind of after the episode, so I want to talk to y'all about a few things with that, but, you know, let's go ahead and go in order. You know, our recaps, we don't usually just talk about, you know, word for word what happened on the episode. We kind of veer off topic. We relate it to social issues. We uh, talk about all the implications that were behind it. You know, we make fun of some of the other stuff. You know, it's a lot of different things, so don't just expect a linear recap of the episodes. With that being said, let's go ahead and start with Beverly Hills. 
we start off basically, well, you know, we get a little bit of the, uh, the kind of fourth wall breaking, setting up for the camera. The husbands are there. The children are there kind of running around. And then we jump to the next day where we get the reunion cracking, you know, let's skip all the little small talk. We can, uh, we can talk about fashion for a little bit, I guess. You know, I, I loved, uh, what the, yeah, I had love what the had on. I loved, uh, Garcelle, you know, if you don't, if you don't follow me on the Instagram account, I love black women in yellow. That's like one of my favorite things in the world next to Beyonce and uh, Jenny's ice cream. Those three things will get me through life. I, I'm going to skip the rest of the fashion. Everyone else look, you know, they look nice as a cast though, but let's just go ahead and jump into it. The main thing that really, 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 really triggered me was this whole thing between Garcelle and Kyle. Now, I want to go ahead and warn y'all. Some of y'all are not going to like my take on this. Some of y'all might, you know, <laughs> some of y'all might uh, be already know what I'm about to say. You might echo my thoughts. But let's just go ahead. I'll talk about that whole kind of segment. So they really, uh, they introduced Garcelle, showed her kind of highlights of the season, uh, you know, asked her a lot of different things. And then they got to that night on Watch What Happens Live. And so Andy addressed her and he asked, well, uh, you know, let's talk about that night on Watch What Happens Live where you said that Kyle was the least welcoming. And then they showed the clip because at first I was kind of on Kyle's side with that. I was like, oh, you say you didn't like her. I'm wondering, you know, why was that and all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, with the season, I'm kind of, you know, team Garcelle on that. But when Garcelle explained it and they showed that clip, it made a lot of sense to me. So they showed the clip and Garcelle, you know, he was asking uh, who's the least welcoming, who's the most welcoming. She immediately said Erica Jane was the most welcoming, which I'm sure surprised a lot of people because if you watch this show, they often refer to Erica Jane as kind of the the ice queen. She's so cold and this and that. But, I, you know, Erica Jane can be warming when she wants to be. But the thing that kind of took all of this and made it spiral was when they asked her who was the least welcoming. She said, oh, uh, did I already say sudden? Oh, okay, well, Kyle. So, you know, kind of said, it seemed like she wanted to pick everyone, a different person for each answer. And so, you know, she gives the excuse, so I really couldn't remember everyone's name and all like that. But when she's asked about all the other moments in the season where she was, uh, you know, said something about Kyle not being welcoming to her or glazing over her or dismissing her, she uh, she stood by it. She, you know, she was she gave that Nene Leaks, I said what I said moment, and I'm not taking it back. Then they do kind of a, uh, a super cut of Kyle interrupting people because they asked Dorit, you know, well, you're really good friends. Where do you feel like what Garcelle said holds weight? And, you know, basically everyone kind of echoes that. She echoes it. Garcelle echoes it. Denise Richard echoes it. Then it all goes off the rails. It's Kyle's turn to speak. And, you know, she's getting, you know, her and Garcelle kind of going back and forth. And Car- uh, ooh, what's the good name? Kyle. I was about to say Carcel. Lord, y'all know who I mean. Don't do that. Garts, No. Kyle, Lord, Kyle, see, that's how, that's how flustered I am right now. I'm leaving that in because that's how flustered this episode had me. I was in a bad mood for the rest of this episode. Lisa Renner, you know, already pisses me off week to week because of everything she do on Instagram. <laughs> but this, Kyle, you really set me the hell off this episode. I'm not going to lie. Kyle does this thing where... She just throws out a hurling kind of accusation towards Garcelle. And she says, you come to my charity event. You raised your paddle 
offered to pay $5,000 for this charity and then you never paid. Garcelle and the rest of the cast are absolutely stunned, not knowing what she's talking about. Now listen, whether this is true or not, this was probably the most triggered I've been watching Beverly Hills in God knows how long. I mean, that might that might be a good thing because, you know, we love the polarizing housewives. At least I do. You know, I like I like the housewives that get it started, you know. I don't mind the Brandy Glanvilles, the Giselle Bryants. You know, I I, I like them shit starters, you know. So, Garcelle is like absolutely floored. And she said it's absolutely not true. And, you know, that's kind of attacking her character, saying that she didn't pay. But the bigger implication is, it was really two big implications. And y'all got to follow me on this. The first one being, she's saying that she was being a charitable person for the cameras, which is really kind of attacking someone's character because you can't say that someone, you know, doesn't care about charity or these things when, you know, you don't, you and that lady have barely spoken this year. You can't put that huge accusation on her as if she's doing everything for the cameras and she's not really a generous person in real life. And then the second implication. Now, listen, some of y'all gonna be mad at me. Uh, do I give a damn now, but I'm gonna say it anyway. The bigger implication is, you know, if, if you're black listening to this, or if you're a person of color, there are, there are now words that are being thrown around when talking about the Beverly Hills cast that were not there prior. So now when things get loud or when things get uh, aggressive or when things get lower than people wanted to, now words like ghetto and all these other different triggering adjectives for black people kind of come into play when those weren't there prior to this season. Now that they have this black housewife, uh, an entirely new vocabulary and a, a, a whole new uh, rhetoric and all different, everything is now changed. Simply because this black woman is there, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And I'm not necessarily talking about the housewives. I'm talking most, more so about the people that watch the show. And so Kyle must have known that by throwing that huge, huge accusation out there, it would have said a few things. One, we've seen on the show that uh, Garcelle, is, as beautiful as her home is, it's not the size of Kyle's house. It's not the size of Dorit's house. It's not the size of that big ass house that uh, Erica and Tom walking around butt naked in every day. <laughs> it's, you know, like, but it's a beautiful home nonetheless. And she's in the zip code. But people automatically are going to try to put it as if she doesn't have money because of what she looks like. And so when you do that, acting as if she's giving money or pretending to give money to charity, but not really following through, that is an accusation that you can't take back. And for me going forward, if I were Garcelle, me and Kyle probably wouldn't be able to get along after that moment. Now, I know that's going to probably generate some hate. That's okay. I'm used to it. (laughs) But that was probably the most triggered I've ever been watching a thing because, listen, there are, if you don't know, there are two different types of racism. And, And please don't take this as me calling Kyle racist. I don't think Kyle is racist by any means. Do I think she had a suspect moment when she could have called Garcelle one of the numerous times that they were filming instead of uh, waiting until the reunion to do this and put her on blast? 
Absolutely. But we have to realize that there are two different types of racism at play. There's overt racism where people, you know, call you the N word, where people are doing this and doing that outwardly to express their hatred of black people, uh, you know, people of color in general. And then there's a thing that we try to always pretend like it doesn't exist, which is covert racism. That's when you do these things or say these things that have much larger implications, but you can hide behind the fact that you didn't do one of these overt tasks to really kind of make you into a racist, if that makes sense to you all. It's, oh, it was triggering. I could talk about this all episode. I should have did a whole episode on this topic alone, but for the sake <laughs> of saving my damn breath and being able to talk on this call tomorrow, because y'all know I got a nine to five. I got to get on this call. I probably got to give a presentation. You know, they like to throw those last minute presentations at me. Oh Lord. Okay. Let's move forward. Another thing I did love though, is that Andy asked Garcelle about her experience being the first black Beverly Hills housewife. And she used an opportunity to talk about everything from black lives matter to uh, the experiences that she's had raising her sons to uh, relating it back to Erica's son being a police officer, which I think is why they get along so well. I think Erica feels that some of these women's lives are so guarded that someone coming in like Garcelle and putting it all out there, it must be refreshing because I can think of a number of stories that I saw in the news, by news I mean on the gossip blogs, (laughs) about all of these different cast members in Beverly Hills, but none of them made the show except this Denise Richards thing, which is absolutely insane. So it must be refreshing to get somebody to come in there and want to talk about it all. She even talked about uh, the experience she had when she got pulled over by the cops and how she talked to her son and how he got to experience that moment because as black people, it's really something that we have to talk about and take seriously. A lot of people still don't talk to their kids about what to do when they're getting pulled over by the police. And, you know, for people of color, sometimes, depending on the officer, that could be a life or death moment. So I really love that Andy Cohen and Bravo really took a moment out of the reunion to kind of highlight that and highlight her being the first black Beverly Hills housewife. Because we can't lie. I mean, there are a lot of things that come with that. So I'm glad they didn't try to glaze over it, as Garcelle would say. The next kind of point I want to jump into is I want to get, ask you guys a question that Andy kind of touched on at the reunion. Is sudden polarizing? The answer is yes. Is being polarizing a bad thing? Absolutely not. If we look at the history of housewives, all of the best housewives are polarizing. Nene Leakes will be a legendary housewife, a number one, number two, number three housewife until the day she dies. Bethany Frankel is one of the most polarizing figures to ever come through New York. Is she a top housewife? Absolutely. Teresa Girici, polarizing. Everything about Teresa is polarizing, but she has laid it all out there. Sudden, being called polarizing, is the best thing that could be described. (laughs) It's the best way she could be described as a housewife specifically. So they kind of first get into it where Sutton is going at it with Dorit. Dorit, you know, is kind of, you know, giving her explanation. Sutton is not trying to hear that shit. (laughs) And the thing that I really love about this moment is as sweet as Dorit can be, 
neither one of them is a punk. Like they were both, they were both willing to die on those on those crosses. Dorit was like, "Damn girl, I didn't apologize. Now I ain't gonna do it no damn more. Now going on shit. I I know that's right. I listen. You got one good apology out of my ass. If I got to apologize to you twice, we might end up fighting again. I'm swinging at that point. I'm not about to keep apologizing to you about the same thing. But I love that. That was the big point I want to make there. I love that neither one of them was a punk. Both of them were going to stand their ground. But at the end of it, Sutton said, okay, I accept your apology. So they moved on. Now that whole Sutton versus Teddy thing, Teddy, you came to this reunion. Oh, and I'm sorry, because I got to give Erica Jane some soon, too. You came to this reunion, and it really, truly felt like, I don't want to say a swan song, but it really kind of felt like you were doing every trick, every dance, jumping through every hoop, uh, skittling every skidoo in the book to make sure that you come back next season. And quite sadly, I'm not sure it worked. So the first time we see Seti is getting into it with Sutton. And they're talking about <laughs> where uh, Sutton tells her ass, I hope my disdain for your clothes <laughs> doesn't, uh, what did she say? Your disdain for your, I hope my disdain for your clothes doesn't, uh, whatever she says. It was hilarious though. And everybody had to laugh about the shit because, I mean, look, Teddy, your ass can't dress. We're not going to pretend like you can. At least you're a good mother. I mean, take solace in that. That's all I can give you, hell. And now let's just basically go ahead and get into the the meat and potatoes of the episode. The Kyle thing was the most triggering thing to me, but then we get into the whole Denise versus everybody. I mean, it was like a, a, a East Coast West Coast shootout, and <laughs> and Denise was the only motherfucker from New York. It it felt like I mean, wow. It was obvious to me if you're a, if you're an avid Housewives watcher and you've been watching for years on years on years, it felt like vintage housewife gang up and that's by no means me defending Denise it's more so me kind of realizing that okay one two three four yeah maybe about four of you went home the night before discussed this and said okay we got to make sure we give it to her ass good on the reunion tomorrow we can't let anything slide. Make sure you got, okay, you got the tweets she sent you. Okay, make sure you print all those out so you can reference them. Make sure that you uh, got those text messages she sent you. It seemed like Lisa Renna, Teddy, and Erica Jane were out to get Denise. I mean, it was it was almost blatant. A little crazy, but, I mean, we like crazy. So I'm not, I'm sure all of y'all have watched these clips and everything online. I'm not going to beat a dead horse. But there were a few things I wanted to pick out of this, basically this second half of the episode. It, uh, I wanted to point out that Garcelle and Dorit both kind of made the points that they don't feel like Denise is trying to make everyone out to be an asshole. Now, this comes up because people were talking about how, you know, the whole Dorit, not Dorit, Lord, let me tell you something. These damn names, and y'all try to tell black people they ghetto, all these names, the Dorit, Doritos, Retreats, and ooh, y'all in these names. I'm telling you, between these Housewives shows, I'm the most tongue-tied motherfucker <laughs> to ever do this shit. Denise is, you know, making the points that she didn't want her kids around, and everyone else was saying that they felt like 
it was a way of making them look bad and look like bad mothers, really kind of inferring a whole lot. And it felt like they were inferring all of this to bring it up for the sake of having drama at this reunion to kind of make producers think that this should carry over into the next season. And it's really kind of the funniest part about this though was Garcelle and Dorit both said that uh, they didn't feel like Denise was trying to make them out to be an asshole. But Garcelle said, look, I'm, I'm picking my damn battles. Okay, bitch. I know that's right. Listen, <laughs> I can, I can think of a million times. I remember my whole family, it was all in the room one day and they were arguing, arguing about one thing. I had to make a choice whether I was going to jump in that argument or whether I was going <laughs> to, because listen, I knew it was my turn to be in the hot seat next because I knew what I had done in the situation. So I was like, look, let me keep my ass quiet. I'm not going to say Nathan. I'm not saying nothing in this situation so that when it, my, when my turn comes, everybody still think they like my ass. Okay. I'm not saying a damn thing. And now let me let me just go ahead and say it. Lisa Renna was doing the absolute most. And the only person doing the absolute most more than Lisa Renna was Erica Jane. Erica, we already talked about it a few episodes ago. You know, I from the time she's been out there, I've really loved Erica Jane. But I'm I'm a pretty impartial watcher. I feel like I'm very fair watching the Housewives. I'm not just going to hate you because you beefing with my favorite housewife or something. I'm I'm never that person. But Erica, it felt like a few weeks ago they gave you a send off on the show. <laughs> and so now it feels like you came to this reunion and you realized that you said three words this entire season. I, You know, you brought Tom out once for us to meet and, you know, because the entire time he's been on this show, we've probably met him three times, child. You've been on here for oh, you've been on here for like five years, ain't it? Good God, you've been through there. It's it's really kind of hard to believe you've been on here that long. You joined right after Lisa Renner did, didn't you? Sheesh, what season are we in? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, she's been on here about five years. Good God. Anyway, I don't know. It felt like Erica was doing a whole whole lot. I mean, to my getting up, walking away, cursing, motherfucker. This is bullshit. You know. I, it felt like you were doing a lot and it feels like the work you put into the season didn't match the output of the reunion. And what that means is if you were, I can understand like if you were Portia and Kenya beefing all season long and then you get to the reunion and you're continually beefing and saying, you know, you wrote down your, uh, what Phaedra said, your, your robot reads or what <laughs> you're doing your robot reads and all this kind of stuff. That was needy. You know what I mean? Hell, you know, you're doing all of this and that makes sense. You know, the input matches the output. It, you didn't really give us much this season. And I'm, I, I understand, you know, some housewives can take it easier a few seasons because, of what, you know, other housewives are given. Denise's storyline gave a lot this season, but it gave a lot because there's, I really feel like there's like an undercover pack between the entire cast of Beverly Hills where they don't discuss their personal issues. They'll wait, hone in on a cast member and then discuss hers all season long. So, you know, whatever. And Teddy, your ass was trying way too hard too. Teddy, they gonna have to do something about you. I don't, I don't know. You never really bothered me up until this point, but 
I don't like when the people who, uh, how do I say, the people who never really give much suddenly become the bone collector the way you did. And it seems like not only were you the bone collector, you weren't that good at it because you were afraid to say the shit. It's like, it's the reason why they don't make Cynthia the bone collector too often. Because you remember back when, oh, I'm always bringing up like a vintage Atlanta moment. Y'all remember like season seven of Atlanta. That was a season with like Claudia and Demetria. (laughs) I tickle my damn self. When they were at that table and Cynthia was referencing Mr. Chocolate, and she, it, I mean, she was just, she was, and I, uh, you know, I, and then we, I, and, well, maybe I, uh, uh, you know, Apollo, and she couldn't get it out to my, she was stuttering like she was, a, <laughs> like she was getting electrocuted or stuttering the whole damn time. And Teddy, that's what you feel like, because it feels like, you know, you say this stuff articulately, but it feels like you tapping your feet under your desk the entire time you're saying it. Like, it seems like you don't say it with your chest. I don't know. Teddy, they will have to do something with you. You know how you... I feel bad because, you know, I never want to advocate the, any of these women losing their job. But Beverly Hills needs a, re, a recast, like, desperately. There are plenty of things they can do. I mean, you could throw a rock and it's a rich white woman on the corner. Just get another one of them and, you know, bring in a couple. I'll save my thoughts on how to... The cast really needs to change for the last episode of the reunion. Then we'll, you know, kind of talk about recasting. We can talk. I can do, actually, I'll do a whole recasting episode. I'll talk about a couple of the different cities. You know, maybe Atlanta could do it well. Ooh, I'm going to leave Atlanta alone because it sounds like they made a real big change this off season. So, who? I mean, who knows? Two last kind of quick little things before we move on to New York. It was hilarious as hell. My, probably the, the hardest I laughed this episode was when they were both talking at the same time, uh, referring to Erica and Denise. And Denise just yells out, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I was talking. <laughs> now, see, that's some shit I say at work. Them motherfuckers act like they don't hear you talking when you be in their meeting. Uh, they, I, okay, I know you older than me, but damn, you go listen to what I got to say. Don't call me in here to ask me my opinion if you don't want to hear what I got to say. God dog, I, I love that though, Denise. You you don't own shit, but you funny as hell. And the moment when Garcelle, it was it was real subtle and quick. But at the end of the episode, Garcelle just lets out a wow after Lisa Renner was done talking. That's how you know in her eyes, she was done fucking with Lisa Renner. And it was all because I think she realized in that moment that Lisa Renner would much rather have fame than a friend. And <laughs> she knows that if it can happen to Denise, then Garcelle, it can happen to you too. And I think in that moment she realized it and she determined, uh-uh, I will not be a casualty of Lisa Renner. And you guys, that was Beverly Hills. I mean, the, the first part of the reunion, it gave a lot. I was I was impressed. The, they, they, you know, they ended the season on a high note because that finale was great. As a Housewives fan, you know, I love me a fourth wall break. So as long as they're breaking that fourth wall, we got another one in Potomac. We'll talk about that soon. We got one in New York, too. I'm, I, we broke the fourth wall on every single episode this week. Three for three. That's the jackpot. I need to go to Tunica and play some lottery numbers. Football comes back on Thursday. I might, you know, pick me a little sweep. I got to make sure my fantasy football lineup is set. Whew. That was a lot, to, uh, a lot of regurgitation, but 
I got to remember all of that because I need to, you know. Anyway, Beverly Hills, good job. I'm proud of you. You know, y'all had some low, low, low moments this season. Y'all had some good, shocking, high moments this season. But if all of it is going to rely on Brandy Glanville and Denise next season, then y'all need to make room for Brandy Glanville because she doesn't need to be doing it on the sideline. I'm just saying. Let's move on to New York. I'll be honest with you. The New York finale for me didn't really give me much. I mean, you know, it, it had some comedy moments when we got to Sonia's uh, drag party. That's when things really got lively. You know, a lot of laughs. You know, anytime Sonya gets to uh, be the hostess, you know you're in for a couple of laughs. Ramona's friend, whoever that man was, stalking Leah, that shit was hilarious as hell. It was like, you ever been to the club with like a group of friends and you got that one like female friend that's like real pretty and uh, all the guys are like trying to buy her drinks. But then like the next, you know, the next couple of hours, they following her around the club for the rest of the night because they think <laughs> they think. She owe her, you know, owe them some coon coon, you know, some poom poom tum tum, you know. But that's the energy he was given. Uh, but really, okay, there are a few things I want to talk about with New York. Nothing really about the episode except that last like two minutes. That was very telling. That was very telling. The fact that production went out of their way to include that fourth wall breaking into the episode says everything about why Dorinda was fired. That's just what it is. I know there are a lot of Dorinda fans out there. I've been saying all season, Dorinda needs to take a break. Take a break, Dorinda. I don't know what's going on with you, but clearly you are unhinged. And I'm not talking about the damn movie that's out right now. You are unhinged. The fact that the mere mention of Tinsley's, Tinsley's name sets you off that much, that's problematic. Leah wanted to give a little speech. And keep in mind, everybody, this is after, like, you know, you know how Housewives finales end. They go around each cast member. They give these, like, little funny uh, kind of updates on their lives or whatever. You know, Leah uh, looking for a man, you know, the business doing great, you know, whatever. Then they ended with some little zinger. They had already done this. Traditionally, in her Housewives series, they were supposed to end the episode after that and then show a clip from the upcoming reunion. They decided to let the cameras keep going and to keep showing you the moment when Leah tried to thank the girls for welcoming her into the group, despite the fact that she came in through Tinsley, that set Dorinda off to no end. And let me tell you something. We can call back to two moments now in this season. That moment with Dorinda and Tinsley's send-off. Tinsley got the perfect little send-off. It looked like a fairy tale come true on the episode. She was, I mean, I showed her looking out, leaving New York, saying she, you know, she's about to be really happy. She's got her Prince Charming. Production is not mad at Tinsley at all. Dorinda, why are you? Why are you mad at her? It doesn't make sense. And so viewing that as an audience member, you know, everyone's watching this episode thinking, okay, let me brace myself. This is Dorinda's last episode. 
how am I going to handle this? You know, this is a family member. I might need to call in to work tomorrow. I don't know what I'm going to do. No more berserk shirts. I don't know what's going to happen. And then Dorinda gives you that. Now, see, production knew about this firing decision well into the season, I'm sure. The fact that they purposely, or even worse, the fact that they went back and edited this episode to include that afterwards says everything about Dorinda's relationship with production right now. The rumors were that they were finding her to be way too callous. She wasn't apologizing for anything. And quite frankly, she was a mean drunk to them. Now, those are the rumors that are circulating out there. Do I believe it? Absolutely. Dorinda, that was <laughs> that was a little hard to watch. I mean, when I say hard to watch, it was hard to watch as someone who used to love Dorinda. As a viewer of the show, that shit was amazing. I mean, you know I love a fourth wall break. That was everything I needed it to be, okay? Dorinda, you did that. But as a viewer of the show, now I'm anxious to see you at this reunion because it seems like you're not going to own up to anything and it seems like they're going to be giving it to your ass left and right. Okay, 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 enough of that. The real thing I want to talk about with New York besides that moment, because that moment was immaculate, was the fact that Heather Thompson, holla, posted on Twitter that she was going to be on Watch What Happens Live this week. Not only is she going to be on there, Brandy's going to be on there the day before her. Ooh, the day this episode airs, actually. So if you're listening to this the day that it's live, make sure you watch Watch What Happens Live that night, because Brandy's going to be on. I might need to go live with somebody on Instagram to talk about this, because that's kind of giving me everything I need. I want to hear everything out of Brandy's mouth, but we're talking about New York right now, not Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills, I already gave y'all a lot of shine. Y'all took up damn near 30 minutes of this episode. Take y'all asses on somewhere, okay? Heather said that she's making an announcement on Watch What Happens Live this week. Now, being that I run an Instagram account to correspond with this podcast, I get a lot of people asking me, you know, my thoughts about the seasons as they progress. Now, one of the things that they've asked me is, do you think New York needs a shakeup? And if so, what would you do? My answers have always remained consistent. I've been over Dorinda this season, and I've kind of been over Dorinda, honestly, for a couple of seasons now. She gives iconic moments, but I was very clear in noticing that she was taking cues from the fans. And whenever a housewife does that, it does not work out well for her. Whether the fans tell you, you need to calm all the way down and you do it, then you become too boring and you get booted off the show. If the fans t encourage you to be mean, which is Dorinda's case, you know, back when she was like verbal, I'm talking about like abusing Sonya left and right. And then this season abusing Tinsley left and right. It's never going to work out in your favor like that. If you let the fans hype you up to play the character that they want because they never want you to be the person they want you to be, then they're going to hate you for it. And Dorenda kind of fell right into that. Along with Dorenda, I was, since Tinsley's gone, I, you know, I love my fairytale princess Tinsley. I'm okay with the other four remaining. Ramona, I find so problematic now, but I know they're not going to kick her off anytime soon. It'll probably be, well, actually this might be Ramona's last upcoming year. She'll have to turn it out because Ramona is kind of getting on a lot of the fans' bad side, especially with her open political views and 
nastiness that she spews on her Instagram uh, lives and stuff, focusing on the wrong thing, you know, whatever. She's, you know, Leah is really kind of being loved right now, and she is the polar opposite of Leah. So that's only going to work well <laughs> for so long. With that being said, I've been asked, you know, would you bring any older housewives back? If so, who? Obviously, Bethany is not coming back because, you know, that would be my number one answer. I am a diehard Bethany fan. And I'll admit, sometimes I'm a Bethany apologist. I, I'm okay with it. I am. I just, I, I love me some Bethany. But when I'm asked this question, look, I think one of the best things New York ever did, especially after Bethany left, was to completely wipe out half of the cast and bring on some fresh faces. With that being said, I'm starting a rewatch this week of the Aviva, Heather, and Carol years on New York Housewives. Those were some of my favorite years. I don't care what anybody says. Aviva Dresher was good TV. I lived for every moment that she was given, and she was given some nastiness. I'm looking forward to rewatching that. But I loved Heather on the show. I'm not going to lie. Heather wasn't always the most, like, verbally jousting housewife. But I liked the energy that she gave. So I always said I would bring back maybe a Heather. And I would try to bring back an Aviva. Carol, I'm over you. You you do the most in the media right now. Totally over you. But then I would add some diversity. Give us a couple of new housewives who we don't know. So if Heather is making the announcement this week that she's coming back, I am, you don't even have to ask me. I'm 100% okay with that. Bring back Heather. Bring back, a, you know, bring on a couple of new housewives who we don't know that well, who have nothing to lose. I don't want them to add two celebrities. Good God. I do not want them to add two celebrities. Give us some housewives. Give us some Jennifer Aidens. Okay, give us some Suttons, give us some Leah, some people that we really don't know that don't have anything to lose. Women who have nothing to lose make the best housewives. Give us that, and New York, you will be the top franchise again. Don't get me wrong, New York has never really fallen too hard. I mean, I didn't enjoy the seasons as much as I've enjoyed past seasons, but I think that's really because Bethany is such an anchor on this show. It was going to be hard for this season to really top anything, any season she's been on. Lu, when you think about the past years on New York, oh my God, Luann has given her life <laughs> to this show. Just think about all this Tom stuff, Bethany and, uh, oh God, Dennis. And it, there have been some moments on The Real Housewives of New York. This season, not so much. We just got a great cast member in Leah and we got more anger from Dorinda. So they could use a shakeup, and I think new cast members is just what they need. I'm here for it. If y'all bring back Heather, I'm going to be watching that. Let's watch it together. Email me your thoughts as soon as it happens because I think, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm like ecstatic. If she gets on there talking about she got a new business or something, I'm going to throw my TV through the damn window. Whatever. Let's talk about Potomac. I don't know why I keep trying to sing for y'all. Clearly, I can't sing. And then by me edit, <laughs> me talking on these podcasts for so long and doing these edits and stuff, by the time I start to try to sing for y'all, my voice, I like I go like straight into like 
uh, <laughs> Nat King Cole territory. <laughs> like I, some this this voice gets real raspy. Like I sound like Macy Gray on uh, Potomac Housewives. As bad as she had uh, Karen's daughter sound. You know what? Let me stop. Let me just talk about these damn Potomac Housewives, okay? <laughs> Let me start off by saying why Potomac Sundays are basically such an event now. Potomac Sundays, Potomac feels like the Carlos King days of Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, that's why there are so many laughs. There are just as many laughs on an episode as there are dramatic moments and dramatic arguments. It's the perfect balance. It feels like Carlos King is behind the show, Kingdom Reign, even though we know he's not. That man was behind some of the most iconic days on The Real Housewives of Atlanta. And the fact that finally one of the Housewives like series is echoing that, oh my God, that's why we can't get enough of it. Think about season six of Atlanta. That is the closest you will ever ever get to a perfect season of a housewives series if you can if you can write in to me and tell me another housewives franchise that's gotten as close to a season as atlanta season six i'll give you some money no the hell i won't but we can argue about it all day long so we start the episode off with some hilarity this damn pancake cook-off you know what it's so fun seeing Giselle and Monique get along, even though we know it's short-lived, it is amazing to actually see them getting along. They, let me tell you something, y'all might find Candace to be problematic. I'm sure we all, you know, think she's problematic at times. I think she's hilarious. <laughs> I'm not sorry about it. I think Candace is hilarious. That girl said that the pancakes represented each woman, each woman, they said that uh, <laughs> Giselle's pancakes uh, tasted amazing, but that the outside looked like her fashion sense. Now, that was a read. They would have said that it looked like that little uh, Gucci Caja ass be talking around in. Now, that would have been a real read, but they said that Monique's presentation, you know, just like her looks and her fashions were amazing. But then Candace said the inside was nothing. Oh, Lord. I see why y'all go fighting. Now, look. They said uh, Monique pancakes tasted like a thousand asses, but that's okay. Listen, all you need is a little, uh, th throw some blueberries in there next time or some chocolate chips. It'll be all right. You'll, you'll get up there with uh, Giselle's taste. But that's good. Look, Giselle, ooh, I was about to say Giselle got all them kids to feed. Damn, y'all got the same amount of kids. Monique, I was trying to help you. I, I was really trying to stand up for your pancakes, but I don't really know what to say at this point. We just go, we're we going to move on to that, uh, Floozy ass Wendy. <laughs> Giselle and Wendy go for that walk. And Giselle, let me tell you something. Giselle is so damn messy. I wish I could say that I hated it. I love every minute of it. Giselle and Robin, y'all know how I feel about them as housewives. I love them two damn women. Giselle goes on a walk with Wendy acting like she wants to understand her. But really, she's like, look. You mad at the wrong motherfucker. You need to be mad at Karen. Karen, the one that said, uh, your floozy ass be on CNN, uh, <laughs> lying to Anderson Cooper about the news and Wolf Blitzer and all them. Listen, that shit is hilarious. Now, Karen got all on social media last night saying, now, you know what? I don't know why the hell y'all keep listening to Giselle about stuff that, uh, she hears other women say. Y'all know it's going to be a lie. 
listen, we know it's going to be elaborate. It should be hilarious every time. So we just let her go with it, okay? We then move on uh, to the women going out, doing the fishing, doing the kayaking, you know, all this different stuff. Wendy and Ashley are two of the ones that are fishing. And then Wendy gives Ashley an apology. They both kind of apologize to each other, you know, and Wendy gets a little teary-eyed. She's telling her basically that, you know, uh, you know, I had my little NICU baby. And right a minute ago, I was getting upset because my husband just sent me a picture of her. I miss her so much. You know, she's saying that basically what the other women were saying about having multiple kids does not apply to her because I, you know, she has a special connection with each one of them. So if she had known that Ashley was bringing her baby, she would have brought hers. So y'all can stop all the Wendy hate now. Okay. Leave Wendy the hell alone. All right. Let the doctor talk about her damn degrees. If, if you would have spent as much money as Wendy did earning all them damn degrees, you would talk about them too. So y'all go leave Wendy the hell alone, okay? We then get into the funniest part of the episode, which is the pageant off. <laughs> so Giselle, you know, is talking about how she feels like she's in captivity. You know, they ain't had no phones working. She can't talk to Jamal, big head ass. So she's, you know, she's like, okay, we got to do something. She's like, I think we should have a pageant off between Miss Candace and Miss Ashley. They're all in agreement. Everybody thinks it's going to be a good idea. You know, they do the uh, the talent portion where, you know, Ashley's twerking. They do the runway walks. And then, of course, they have Candace singing happy birthday. Now, look, I would have never remembered that that girl sings happy birthday every chance she get if it wasn't for Ashley. That was the funniest shit in the world. That girl sang happy birthday in France. They showed her singing off key in New Orleans when she first got there. Let me tell y'all something. That shit was hilarious. Now, Ashley... I've said this before on this show. They don't give you enough credit for the messy shit that you do, but you really deserve all of your flowers while you're still here. I got to give kudos to Candace and Ashley. They are like real live pageant girls. When Giselle asked them them those shady-ass questions where she was like, (laughs) how do you feel being so short? And that girl said, well, you know, being horizontally challenged my entire life made me reach higher for the stars and the gold. That was a perfect answer. And then she asked Ashley, well, how do you feel about having a bigger forehead than most? And Ashley said, <laughs> Ashley was like, well, you know, in some cultures, it's a sign of, you know, this and that. Y'all gave the perfect answers. What was even funny was when Giselle asked that question and they zoom over to T'Challa. And he said, you trick. Now you see that this, this, this is a fun ass show. This is really like the Carlos King years of Atlanta. I'm telling y'all, you can't, you really can't beat this shit every Sunday night. Side note, you know, I always got a million side notes. We got to get into our first side note. Listen, I get it. Karen versus Giselle is one of the Potomac fixtures that we love. It's what we need. We love it whenever they get into an argument, but it, it, I don't know if it's just me, but it's starting to become a little awkward that Karen devotes all of her camera time to Giselle and Giselle gives Karen absolutely nothing in return. Karen, I mean, Giselle pays her absolute dust every time. So it makes all of the constant shade that Karen throws at Giselle at certain points is super funny. But a lot of the time it's starting to come off as awkward because it's like, well, shit. Okay, Karen, like Giselle literally 
hadn't said a word about you yet this entire season and we six episodes in like what's going on and if this continues throughout the rest of the what 20 episodes that y'all gonna have a season or whatever that's gonna be awkward like it's really feeling like you just picking at somebody that refuses to pick back at you and i don't know see let me tell y'all something funky dineva once said that the reason giselle and karen work is because Giselle is the it girl that all of the other girls aspire to be friends with. But Karen was the one who never paid Giselle's ass any attention. But now that's really starting to not be the case because Karen is devoting all her time to Giselle, which is really kind of making the case of who's the leader in Potomac. Ugh, it's Giselle. It's really kind of coming across that way. I don't know. That's just one of my random kind of side notes it really kind of hit home this episode because you know everybody was taking the jokes you know about the forehead and all that kind of stuff and then you know karen took another jab it's like okay karen you know good lord all right we get it let's go ahead and get into the climax of the episode so they're getting dressed to all go out to dinner tonight <laughs> i should let me start that over they're all getting overdressed to go out to dinner tonight because it looks like they went to Joe's Crab Shack, but they were going in ball gowns and, you know, I I never understand these reality TV women, but whatever. But while Candace is getting dressed, she gets a text message. She just starts reading it and then the captions appear on the screen. Your girl, baby daddy, was out last night at the strip club. Then they show the actual text messages that she's getting. They read as follows. My girl is a bartender at a strip club, and I came to see her. Child, he was in there with several strippers. He was talking about how he got a wife and a boyfriend. Candace started getting sick to her stomach. You know how you, <laughs> it's Taco Tuesday, and you ate a few too many uh, uh, beef burritos from Taco Bell. Hold on. Another side note. Why the hell is Taco Bell getting rid of the Mexican pizza? What the hell is wrong with them? I like I, I've been sick ever since they said that. Now I don't eat too much Taco Bell, but when I eat Taco Bell, I want my damn Mexican pizza. What the hell is going on? Anyway, focus, Kendrick. Focus. What is going on? Focus. Okay. So Candace, being the uh the mess monster in training that she is, and I mean that in the best way because if you could be on TV, be a mess monster now. Okay. She goes straight to Giselle. <laughs> she didn't think to go to her friend Wendy to talk about it. You know, she didn't want to get the doctor's advice. She didn't go to Robin, you know, for a little, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, Robin tends to put herself in the, uh, the peacemaker kind of role every now and then. She goes straight to Giselle. That's what I love. And let me take this moment to do another side note. Giselle is perfect. For reality TV. Now I know some of y'all hate Giselle. Some of y'all absolutely love Giselle. Giselle is a definition of a polarizing housewife. That's more likable than not. Giselle is not only a fantastic housewife. But she knows how reality TV works. And I mean she knows from the perspective of not just filming the show. But what the audience wants to see. Now let me walk you through that scene with her and Candace. And I'm, I'm going to kind of explain to you why she's so perfect of a housewife. 
Candace comes over. She knocks. She says, can I talk to you real quick? You know, Giselle's kind of nervous. She's like, okay. They step outside. <laughs> Robin said on Instagram, she's like, y'all better believe my ass is right there by the door listening to everything they were saying. I know that's right, Robin. Y'all ain't about to leave my ass out of no mess. So they go outside. And it kind of goes like she basically says, uh, whose baby daddy are you talking about? When Candace tells her all this, number one, that's perfect because now Giselle has made Candace kind of reveal on camera, not just by name, but made Candace turn the phone around and show her the picture of who she's talking about. There's no mistaking that we are talking about Michael Darby in this moment. And then Giselle takes it a step further and she says, okay, read it out loud verbatim. Now, see, that's the shit I'm talking about. If you didn't pause your TV like me to read through those text messages, Giselle just told this girl to read everything that she was sent so that we, the viewer and her, the housewife, can get all of that information and decide what we want to do with that. Let me tell you something. Mess, 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 mess. Cardi don't need no mess. Giselle, you so damn messy, and I love every minute on it. I hope they pay you a million dollars next season. You so goddamn messy. I love every single minute of it. And then they all go to dinner with their overdressed asses. And uh, Monique basically asks uh, Ashley what's going on with Michael. She tells him that he's signing this big deal and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then this is when Candace and Giselle start side-eyeing each other. You know when you and your best friend uh, know some of the stuff that people don't know, so you're just kind of looking at each other like, oh, Lord, should I say something? Should I not? Should I keep it to myself? Should I say something? I don't know. But you really looking at each other like, ooh, bitch, we so messy. What should we say? Should we say something? I don't know. But then we get the cliffhanger. And let me tell you something. That cliffhanger now feels strange because today, what is today? September 8th? 2020 Ashley Darby announced that she's pregnant with her second child. Now you can't tell me that that was not scheduled. It's so either something, you know, we, we saw the previews for the next episode. Something's about to jump off on this next episode, or she was feeling shaky about her perception on this last episode. I, I don't know. Michael Darby got a hold on that girl or something, but Ashley, Ooh, you know what? I'm not. I'm not gonna Eon Levanzant you. I'm just go. I'm gonna let you live your life. Maybe you just securing the bag. If that's the case, then do what you do, Mama. I ain't mad at you. All right, you guys. That's all I got. Ain't got no more. So how'd you guys feel about this jam-packed week of Housewives that we got? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Do you think that everything out of my mouth was stupid because I hate all the Housewives that you love, or vice versa? Well, let me know. You know, I'm all, I always want to hear about the mess, even though I, uh, you know, sometimes it's not in my favor. I still want to hear about it. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Housewives Marvel Podcast. Email me at Housewives Marvel Podcast at gmail.com. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast everywhere you can listen to podcasts. I'll talk to you later, guys. See ya. <laughs>
redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.